Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode number eight of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis Dahl from Zionsville, Indiana. Hi guys, Barbara Wojan from Knight Dental Group, Oldsmar, Florida. Good to be here. We have an exciting roundtable. Unfortunately, Barb was out of town at the ACDC concert. <laughs> you know, that joke eventually will get old, I'm sure. Barb was at the AACD, so I was joined by three individuals that have started their own labs, but what's amazing about it is they're pretty much the only employee, and it's a fascinating tale of how they got started and some of the struggles they see in their lab being the only employee. So this roundtable, I'm joined by Masuda Faiz, Bo Murphy, Rob Greeson, and Heather Voss, who helped me put together the group. I believe, Barb, your father started Night Dental Group by himself. Is that true? Yep. In um, 1965, my dad was a one-man lab as well. And I can remember my mom always saying, basically, she never saw him. <laughs> he was always working. You know, it takes a lot of energy and passion to run, you know, a laboratory by yourself because there's so many dynamics to it. And, you know, it's all consuming. So, you know, my hat's off to anyone that's running a one, two, three, four, five person lab or any lab. But, you know, the, the smaller, the more things that you have to do by yourself. And so you have to multitask and you have to know all things that put the laboratory together, including, you know, admin as well as model all the way through. So, so yeah, that's where we started. You know, he built it up from the ground up. Never really saw him um, not much in my childhood because he was always working, but uh you know what? If you love it and you have passion for it, uh, you know, you just uh, make things great. How long was it a solo lab? I think just two or three years. And then he acquired a partner. And then that's when they moved down to Florida. So they moved to Florida in 1969. And um, that's when they started it up as a team. And then they got the removables aspect and the, and the frames part of it and collaborated with a couple other people. We're in our fourth laboratory. So he went from, you know, a small house to a bigger small house and then actually opened a lab. And then um, we built the place that we're in now. And how many employees does Night Dental Group have now? Uh, over 100. Wow. No rest for the weary. That's amazing. Does your dad ever talk about the days when he was by himself at the bench? No, I, I hear it more from my mother, um, you know, because she was the bystander that never saw him. And us kids growing up, you know, he was always working. And I can remember when I was six years old, going in and playing with the model work and the dowel pins and drawing uh, faces on the chalkboard. Barb was here and, you know, I was always in the lab. I was a little lab rat, so I loved it. That is awesome. Thanks. So enough about me and enough about my dad. Let's, uh, let's roll into this awesome podcast. It's a great tale. Hope you guys enjoy. King Arthur had his knights. Captain America has his Avengers, and dentists have their laboratories. These unique individuals have gathered together to entertain and enlighten all who dare to sit down at the round table and listen to the voices from the bench. So this is pretty exciting. This is my first recording for the podcast where I haven't met hardly anybody on it. So this is interesting. I was... Uh, always utilizing people I knew to be victims. So I really appreciate you guys coming on here. Of course. All right. I'd like to welcome to the round table, Masuda Faiz. 
Hey, how are you today? Good. How are you? Good to have you here. Ah, thank you so much. So, Faiz Dental Studio in Georgia. Correct. All right. Can you tell me a little bit about your lab and how you got into the industry? Sure. I moved to Georgia. I believe it was in '93, and uh, needed to go to college. And my original, obviously, what I wanted to do was go into medical school. There was a very long wait time, and I was new to the country, and so I found dental laboratory program. It was a two-year degree program that I attended, and I worked for a production lab for five years, a very good uh, production lab, actually. And that's when I decided that I really love this profession and I want to be my own boss, and that's where I started. Just slowly started one small client, and word of mouth kind of got around. I saw the one-person lab, but I got a little bit busier, and several years later, I had to look for a actual office and moved my location from the house to that office and have two children. Now one of them actually helps a little bit. I go to a lot of training and courses and I travel a lot for more advanced stuff. So I focus mainly on aesthetic cases and home out rehab cases, posteriors too, but mainly just in a high quality aesthetic lab. And that's what I've been trying to do. And it's getting a little bit harder now because Seems like everybody's going in a different direction that, that I want to go to. So that's where I, it's been, I think, what, 12, 13 years that I've done this on my own. At some point, I did have an employee full-time for about two years, so two and a half years, and didn't work out. And I recently got into digital dentistry a little bit, and I'm learning that. So when you were at the larger lab, what did you do there? I did. It was supposed to be an eight-week or a 12-week, I'm forgetting, uh, internship that wasn't going to be paid uh, because of uh, school was sending us. And when I went there the first day, um, I was an employee. They hired me. Uh, so I worked part-time, and I started in St. Inglés apartment. And um, after a year, when I uh, graduated, they offered me a full-time job in the ceramic department. And started out as doing a couple units a day. And and I was one of the ceramists that they relied on for 10 to 12 units a day. Was it just over the shoulder training, Masuda? The larger lab, it basically, yes. I, the owner was um, extremely talented and still our friends. And he saw, I guess, something that he said, I can, if I work with you closely, we can get you to do more of our aesthetic work, which I, what got me really excited because I saw that there were at least eight ceramics there and everybody was doing some people were doing just posterior work and they were there 15 16 years and i did not want to be stuck in that and then they sent me to the hangman and whatever course that was available the company made and i wanted to manage it and go to those things and then once i left i did it on my own and i spent a lot of my own money trying to get educated and whatever courses hands-on courses online now whatever i can see that someone teaches something new that i don't know i like to that's the only way to be i feel like yeah you constantly we have to learn because things are changing so fast that i have to keep up especially if you're a one person lab it's hard to keep up so much that's coming out still feel a little behind actually in technology for sure Thank you for that. So we're going to talk a lot about what you were mentioning a little bit later. Let's move on. Heather, CDT. Elvis. Legacy Dental Arts in New York. <laughs> um, so my story 
is my dad had a lab. I grew up in the industry. And interesting enough, growing up, wanted nothing to do with it. I did not spend summers working at my dad's lab. I always had a job outside of the industry, went to college for something completely different, had a little too much fun at college. So dad's like, yeah, let's take some time out and figure out what you want to be when you grow up and started working at the lab. And the rest is history. Worked for my family company for 14 years before we were uh, purchased by a dental practice management company. Um, After that, I went to go work for another large family-owned company um, out in the Finger Lakes, Uh, spent some time with them. I took a little little break from the industry and actually owned an architectural glass business um, where I was custom making and creating um, handmade glass for architectural um, applications and then got sucked back into dental and uh, again with that company out in the Finger Lakes and then about three years ago started Legacy Dental Arts. Um, So I've had some pretty good experience both large and small laboratories, family-owned, public, production, high quality. Right now my lab is uh, very similar to Masuda's. It's very um, high-end, mostly aesthetic-driven, a lot of anterior complex cases implant work. And I think that is, you know, a really big niche where people like all of us that are on this call right now um, really fit because we have the skill set, we have the talent, we have the knowledge. And I think that's a really, really amazing resource because that's not fostered in some of the larger laboratories. No, definitely not. How many employees do you have or are you solo? I'm not. I purchased another small lab here about two months ago. So I'm now two and a half people and I've actually in the process of potentially purchasing two other small labs. Wow. Are you using their locations or just pulling their people in their account? Uh, It's really to pull accounts and to get more depth. Um, And plus these are people who are older, they're more mature, they've had a level of success in their own career because obviously they've owned their own labs. They're looking for an exit strategy. I'm looking to grow uh, just, you know, because I think there's a sweet spot for a small laboratory that you need to be in a volume situation and resources are, are important. And it's hard a lot of times when you're small to go out and actively be selling and marketing and, you know, putting full-time resources to that when there's another way to grow. And that can be through acquisition, especially when there's so many people with so many great labs, but don't really have an exit strategy. We're learning that as time goes on, because it seems like all these conferences we go to, they talk about it. So. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Well, thank you. Rob, Rob Greason from Rob Greason Dental Studio. How'd you come up with that name? <laughs> it took a while. I had to learn how to spell it. Yeah. So give us your give us your story. How'd you fall into this industry? I was going to college and wasn't attending very much. And I had an opportunity to go and work into a dental lab. So I started pursuing that part time and saw the potential. So I went with it. Started in the model department and worked my way up. With zero knowledge of dental when you started? Zero knowledge. Nice. Nice. How long were you there? I was there for five years. I started uh, back in 95 and the lab was closing and moving to Brazil in 2000. So you didn't want to make the move? Yeah. He offered to sell it to me at uh, $250,000 and I was only uh, 22, I think, 23. So I passed that up and uh, went to work with another lab for about two months. That didn't work out. So I opened my own lab in 2000. And what does your lab mostly focus on? Right now, I'm specializing in functional cases and treating and diagnosing TMDs. Really? That's a bit different than everybody else. 
Yeah, I found the importance to specialize. So excellent, Bo. How are you, sir? Good guys. Sorry, I just don't. I don't want to interrupt anybody or say anything. I, you know, I'm just trying to listen. And um, I was looking up uh, Masuda, and your your work looks beautiful. And uh, pleasure to meet you over the phone. <laughs> over the internet. I, I yeah, over the internet. I I know the other the other crazies on this uh, on this live recording. Um, Heather's a, a treat. Met her at a foil course of, of Vaughn Girls not too long ago, and, and Rob I met a couple years back at uh, one of the DTG symposiums. And good group you've put together here, Elvis. I it's all Heather. Thank you. Oh, good job, Heather. Sorry, all the credit yeah. to you, Heather. Good job, Heather. <laughs> um, okay, so really quickly with me, I had no idea about this industry. I was going into physical therapy. Um, I was nineteen parents, you know, drama of the, the parents divorcing, trying to decide if I move away, where I go, what I do, decided I was going to really pursue that. And I, I started having some, I don't know, something was in me. I just, I just wasn't feeling it. Um, I, I love the opportunity to, to serve people. The physical therapy was something that rang true to me. One of my neighbors was actually a physical therapist. And uh, I, I just really thought, thought that would be amazing to just help people get back, to, get back on their feet, re- regain that ability that they've lost it just the schooling and some of the trainings and some of the people or just, I don't know, there's something in it. And then uh, my mother, you know, as, as all mothers most often are, are so concerned about their children and, and wanting to help them and, and guide them. And I don't know where she, Oh yeah, it was her, it was her high school friend had actually done a dental technician career, some type of trade school. And she actually found one through John Archibald in uh, Provo, Utah. And she goes, I think you, what, what would you think about looking into to making teeth? And just tilted my head like a little puppy, just confused. What? <laughs> making teeth? What? What is that? <laughs> she showed me the school, went down and looked at it. Um, I, I turned it away. What happened was, is, is I, I turned it away based off this girlfriend. Um, I'd, had, I'd had an opportunity to work for Matt Roberts at the time when I was in. So I'm from Idaho Falls, Idaho originally. And that's where Matt Roberts CMR Dental Lab is at. And through some mutual friends, this has kind of come up as my mom was talking to this before I went to school. And I chose to go the girlfriend route and follow her down to St. George, um, turned down the job with Matt to, I think, a start model room. And then once I called that, again, sorry to be so personal on this, <laughs> called that wedding off, came back, and I asked Matt for a job. I'm like, you know what? I think I do want to get into this. This just sounds, there's something about this that sounds so interesting, and I, I'd love to get involved. And, you know, I, I'd already gone to John's lab and... and uh, Went and saw Matt's lab a little bit, but he goes, you know what? I just don't have room. I, I've got I've got some intern interns in right now, and he goes, I'd be open in about a year. And I thought, perfect, because John Archibald's school is about eight months. So I said, I'm just going to go to the school. I'm going to start learning. So I decided to do that. Canada Provo got into it, and three months into the program, he called me, and he said, I don't want to do anything but wax anterior teeth. So I started waxing anterior teeth every day in school. That's all I did. Um, got a got an internship with Matt Roberts for two years, and then I ended up deciding I needed to to move move forward and and find another job. And he ended up showing me a few different laboratories, some in Oregon, kind of all over the country. He just said, "Where do you want to go? It's it's kind of up to you. You got a, you got a good talent. You, you just kind of pick, and I can help you. You know, put in a good word." And I just said, "Listen, I just want to be around this type of work. So let me be around this type of smile design." Um, I, I really enjoyed the the more more of the full mouth reconstructions. I was doing tons of waxing 
for him and pressing in these cases all right for him to finish and i was doing a lot of uh cavo everest at the time was was out and he had a new machine there and i was doing a lot of the milling at that point as well so i ended up asking him and he said listen i'd go down to utah um and i said i don't want to go too far i've got my family here with the parents divorce and siblings i'd like to be supportive and be around he said you know what utah's not too far i'd go check out uh, Utah Valley, and I'd go check out uh, a guy named Mark Willis. Um, they're brothers, but they each have their own individual labs. But he's like, I'd go check those two labs out. He goes, they're, they're extremely good labs and, and very talented gentlemen. And I ended up working for Mark Willis for about six years. Did tons and tons of waxing and pressing. I mean, you name it. They just went through the gamut of it all and starting to get into ceramics a little bit. Another another guy and I, we ended up starting a lab. His name is Daniel Sorensen. We did it for about a year. And, you know, I just got to a point, I don't know, it was the end of 2012, it's about 20, the year 2013, I ended up, I just wasn't filling the industry. I don't know. When we started this lab, I was working for Mark and I was working, trying to develop this lab and crazy hours. And I was working 120 hours a week, trying to show my dedication to Mark. I'm a pretty loyal guy. I, I try to make sure I, I'm not here out to hurt anybody. I'm just trying to, you know, set myself up for success. So no doctors were, were ever wherever involved and I am not that type of person to take any doctors or so many to go around. I felt that, you know, we could build that a different way. And, and so did he. So we, we went through and uh, built that lab up. I just, I don't know, 2014 came around. I left the industry. I just kind of was like kind of fed up with it, just with the hours and the rigmarole of it all. I, I don't know. I just was bored, I guess, so to speak. And when I, when I left that last year, I did a little personal financing um, and it was, it was great. I enjoyed it. But there was something that just kept pulling me back. I just felt this need. I needed to get back into dentistry, but I or into into dentistry. But to uh, start my own, there was something about that I just felt like I was really missing that I really never had the opportunity to do, which was to really focus on getting to know these doctors and really having that opportunity to get to meet the patients and see a case through, have that patient know that you were a part of it as well, and to give that gratitude and share that with you. I was looking. I, I was looking for that. I, there was no emotion. For most of my career, it was just, you know, crank this out, get this done, you know, high expectations, high end aesthetic cases, but there were, there was just a oh, good job. Oh, and, and that was it, you know, from, from your boss. And that's great. You know, I think it's, it's great to, to have those, those positive words, but I was, I was looking for more. And so I got into the industry and, and now I'm, I'm focused on high end aesthetic dentistry. I, I, have, I own fifth element dental design and, um, you know, I produce a lot of smile cases and I, I also saw the need for the posterior world. So I started a, a line called classic restorations specifically for the posteriors, but I'm trying to keep them in that middle ground. I'm not looking to go low end. I'm not looking to, to charge the four to $500 high end that a lot of these guys are charging, but still deliver. I'm trying to charge a, a fair amount for the insurances to still cover for the patients, you know, not to be hurt too bad. And the doctors to also see, Hey, that that's, that's a good price. I'm, I'm good with paying something in that middle ground, but the quality is what I want to give is, is essentially that's what it is. It's, it's a, a higher end restoration for a competitive price, but I'm not willing to compete in, in race to the bottom. So that middle ground between, you know, if you're talking, let's talk hundred dollar crowns as the low end and $400 crowns as the high end. I'm like between 150 to almost 200 tops. I don't think it's, it's worth going much more than that. So that's currently where I'm at. I've got, we've got some plans for growth as well, as, as Heather was saying, and, and potentially um, looking into a few things along her lines as well. As far as growth, I, I see need of, of looking at my hands and seeing how steady and stable they are. And that's wonderful. But how long does that last? 
you know, how long until I'm, I'm out my hands, I'm out my eyes, something goes wrong and I have nobody to help me, nobody who's invested in me as well. So I'm looking to, you know, potentially bring on some people to, um, I don't know how to, I don't know how to distribute my equity in the business or whatnot, but you know, I'm just looking to grow and, and do it right and, and offer a, a great place to be that's going to really push future techs to a, a level of passion and, and growth. Um, that was something I, I felt like I was limited on a lot of my career. I, I was great at waxing and that's, that's fantastic. The, the problem I ran into is I was pigeon held to, to just that. And I think you have to find your your skill set, but you have to be willing to. Um, I think as an employer, you know, let let them let them push if they want to. If if I if your employee is like, I want to do this, let them prove it, let them try it, let them let them show it. Um, I'm sure we'll talk more about this as we go. So I'm going to take a break from talking. Sorry, and uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll start answering some questions, and we can all be involved. How does that sound? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. How many employees do you have? Are you solo right now? I have one. I actually sent him to another lab for the time being. I've got some crazy transition right now. So I literally, I just sold my home, just moved last weekend, and I just moved my lab into uh, Chase Smith's lab. He's out here in Brigham City. It's about a half hour from Ogden, but we've gotten to know each other really well over the years, Rob and and Heather can probably test to that guy's character. He's really a good guy. He's awesome. But the goal is to get up into Ogden. I, I just haven't had the time. I'm so busy right now. I haven't had the time to really focus on finding anything but a home for my family, let alone a business that I need to put it in. So I just said, hey, what, can I just come post up there for a little while? And he's like, absolutely nice. open arms. So so right now I've got one. I just I sent my employee up there because I, I knew I was going to come up there. I'm like, you know what? Why don't you go help him out? Why don't you go work? I can take care of what we got going on and uh, help him do his things. You know, basically it's it's my way of saying, here's some of my payment for, for everything that you're going to be willing to do for me right <laughs> right at this next, you know, segue of my my career. So he's just, he's a good guy. And maybe I'll talk him into working working with me. We'll see. <laughs> nice. I don't know why you decided to move a home and a lab at the same time. I could not imagine. I, I wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's the hardest thing in the world. <laughs> I wouldn't no, I wouldn't. It. <laughs> wow. Well, I appreciate everyone giving me a, a bit of history on how you got into it and where you're at now. So let's start talking about some of the challenges you guys run into being such a small lab. I imagine a lot of the same issues that we find in a medium lab than I'm in. But talk about that. What are some of the, the issues that you think are unique to small labs? What is a medium-sized lab to you, Elvis? What, what does that mean? That's interesting because... At uh, Chicago this year, we're we're about twenty one technicians. Okay. That is now considered large. Yeah, that's that's a large lab for me. It, it doesn't feel large to me, and maybe that's just because I've been here for a while. I would say medium now technically would be what anywhere from eight to twelve, maybe. I I don't know. I think that's the issue, though, with the stratification, because when you take a look at large labs, when we took it, they take a look at it empirically, when you do any kind of statistics, the problem is that in that large lab category, there's such a vast difference, right? So a large lab could be 50, a large lab could be 500, right? So where do you start it? Do you start it at 20? Do you start it at 50? Do you start it at 75 or 200? So I think... Elvis, I would almost agree with you. I think 21 is about medium size. You know what I mean? And especially knowing that you come from a family lab. I mean, because Larry owns that, right? And Larry's owns yeah, yeah. that. So, I mean, I think that may make it feel even more medium just because of the culture. 
And that's exactly what I was about to say. We still all know each other and we all still get along, you know, so I can't imagine everyone at Glidewell knowing each other. Yeah. So we don't have employee numbers here, you know, I mean, we all have names, so we're still, I still consider us medium. We'll go with it. Yeah. So back to the original question, what are some challenges that you guys think are unique to having one to two to five people in a lab? Well, I think if you are uh, a single person love like me, you go on vacation, you have to work 10 times harder the week before. And when you come back, you, you almost from the airport, usually I go back to the lab. Now you have to don't do 40 or 60 hour a week. You have to do pretty much whatever you have to do and the turnaround times are pushed back. And you, no matter how much I schedule, at least I haven't found it to be a good system that if I get sick, I'm punished. Dare you get sick? <laughs> I have to know. I'll figure out a way. Seriously, simple things like moving have put me in the worst position. <laughs> I mean, I, I just I've got I'm getting ready to go to Germany next week, and I'm I'm tripping. Let's just put it that way. I've got it's crazy right now. So, if you have a planned vacation, do you let your clients know ahead of time that you'll be gone so they can schedule? Return yes, dates and patients, yeah. It's are they yep. are they willing to do that? Are they lenient like that? Do they understand, or do you get a lot of pushback? Yeah, I think the nature of our types of work too. I mean, we work on larger cases. I think I can say that pretty comfortably for all of us across the board. And not everything we do is a large case, but when you have larger cases, those typically aren't being done in a week or two weeks. Those are cases that you know have a little bit more cushion built into them. Yeah, I've got a three week turnaround on all of my all of my cases that are single even. Really? Nice. Yeah, for the most part they understand but they might have an emergency or something didn't work or, or someone is but but you as far as scheduling, yes, I, I usually give them two months in advance right. notice that I'm going somewhere. Unless if it's an emergency, that's what I get help. My father passed away two years ago and I was away for two weeks and that was the week that I was moving my lab to another location. I'm so sorry. So, thank you. So coming back, it was, of course, when you do that and physically you're exhausted and I had to tell them, give me an extra two weeks. So your work doesn't happen. No, I agree with her that uh, getting sick is probably the one thing that there isn't much of a workaround for. So what's the latest any of you guys have been at the lab? Like three in the morning finishing stuff? That's what I do. There's no choice. They got to go out the door. <laughs> yeah, I've done it with the flu, but it doesn't make it any more comfortable. Wow. <laughs> Listen, you can make crowns sick at work. You can be sick at work or you can be sick at home. <laughs> yeah, for me, it's been two or three in the morning and then back again about six. Yeah. That is in the past and it won't happen again. That is current and I'm trying to fix it. <laughs> So what about you, Rob? Do you do you uh, send out announcements when you go on vacation? For me, scheduling is the most important part. If I schedule myself to have enough time to deal with issues, then the crowns aren't getting there late. They're usually getting there early, which they like. And then if I do have a problem, I have a day or two to fix it. Yeah, unless something completely, like I melted it and it was due out the next day or I screwed it up. I mean, I'm not working the wee hours in the morning. Yes, everybody's very understanding. I'm very fortunate with that. Um, when I'm taking a long weekend like this weekend, I just let them know that I'm scheduled to be out of the office. Um, most times they think it's for continuing education because I do a lot. Mm -hmm. But if it's going to be for a vacation or extended period, I let them know that I will be on vacation. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we have clients here that don't understand that why we had to get an extra day because why aren't we working on July 4th? And I, it just blows my mind. How do you guys compete with larger labs selling restorations for a lower price? All of you guys sell. All right. That was part one of the roundtable. It was a great discussion. I love hearing about how people got into our industry. Join us next week. Part two, we'll continue the conversation with Masuda, Heather, Bo, and Rob. Yeah, I'm really sorry I missed it, but I enjoyed the heck out of that podcast. Well done, Elvis. Well done, you guys. Well, let's talk about real quick. The foundation has put together a wonderful raffle. It was just launched here at Lab Day West. Yeah, this is an unbelievable opportunity that Iva Clark, Bob Ganley, and all of his team has uh, presented to the foundation. If you guys don't know about the foundation, we're all about giving back to the industry. Industry, granting the schools so they can get new equipment, um, giving grant to dental technicians that want to become CDTs. We've got information on the website for higher learning. It's just an amazing endeavor that I've been involved with and Elvis has been involved with for about eight years now. And to have this motorcycle and be able to raffle this off, it's been a symbol for Ivaclar since the 80s. Um, it was somebody that couldn't afford the system of uh, Empress way back when, and they decided to trade their motorcycle to be able to afford Uh, the Empress system. So there's an amazing story behind it. We're so grateful to be able to raffle this off. So please look into it. It's pretty cool. So $25 a ticket, five for $100. Check it out, dentallabfoundation.org slash ticket. Pretty cool. I'll put a link up on the site. $100 for five tickets. I think I'm going to buy like $500 worth and I'm going to win that bike. And then I'm going to go on a road trip. Nice. You're going to get a leather vest with a tooth on the back? Yeah, I'm all about leather. Well, thank, <laughs> thanks for joining us this week. Remember, as always, spread the word. We want to get as many listeners as we can to enjoy this great content. Send us an email, info at voicesfromthebench.com. If you have any suggestions or feedback, look for us on Facebook. Uh, like our page, spread the word. You can also check the podcast out on Google Play, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. The more the merrier, you guys. Thanks for listening. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. I can do it, baby.